Jay Lings continues to do things, but can he do it on a cold, windy night versus San Marino? Welcome back, listeners. The FPL headlines for this week, we discuss, obviously, Jesse Lingard and whether he's essential. Um, we discuss Manchester City assets and whether it's time to dump them. We discuss how to cope with a bad season. And, of course, we go through your questions, our differential picks and our plans for the upcoming game week. And we're back with episode 210 of the FPL Surgery podcast, recording on Tuesday the 13th of April ahead of another Friday deadline. Game Week 31's just finished yesterday evening and it was dominated by a handful of players with Dallas, Lingard, Ian Acho and Lacazette all scoring a brace. We had a penalty save from Sam Johnston and Trent grabbed a last gasp goal to drop Nat Phillips out of the bonus points. We had injuries announced after the deadline, so Aguero, Laporte, Aubameyang and Calvert-Lewin. And we had some injuries to key players during the games as well. So former top scoring defender Aaron Cresswell had a hamstring injury and Saka went off with his clean sheet locked in. I'm back. Foden's bathroom is fit for a god. And as always, I'm here with Josh. How's it going, Josh? I'm good, mate. How's the electrics? Are they all sorted now? Yeah, it's all, all sorted. I mean, it's not that exciting really, is it? I don't think you can hear a difference. <laughs> well, definitely, It's definitely a lot clearer. And now we've got no, uh, no issues for the, uh, for the final final part of the season well exactly and apparently my wiring was from the 1950s so it's probably probably good i did get this done so there's no chance of my computer burning down during the middle of the pod good stuff um but this week's guest he needs no introduction at all fpl is his job and that includes weekly articles for the athletic as well as his 59th minute podcasts he boasts an incredible three top 500 finishes with his best being 102nd welcome back to the podcast mark mcgettigan aka the fpl general hi mark how's it going i'm good rich good to be back how are you josh thanks for having me back on i know we um i know we organized this a couple of weeks ago and i was I was tempted to uh, to be one of maybe the first ever FPL manager to call in sick to, to, for a guest appearance <laughs> on a podcast today. I mean, the way things have been going, I was doing my own podcast today as well. It's it's bloody hard to keep churning out podcasts when things are not going your way because, like most people, I know a lot of people are, are struggling with the game these days. And when you have a bad game week, the first thing you want to do is forget about it for a couple of days, come back Thursday or Friday. But yeah, being full-time FPL, there's no hiding place for me. So I have to keep turning up and keep talking through that through the pain it's been it's been a rough couple of weeks but but hopefully things will improve but as always looking forward to having a good chat with you guys tonight yeah no we're really looking forward to it as well so i mean thank thank you for coming on uh we do appreciate it. and we could tell just from the number of questions um, that we, we got this week because we thought we normally get a lot of questions um but it turns out we don't until you're on and uh, i know last time you were on it was obviously with the Iceman and prince abdullah as well so obviously it's a little bit different today you've got me and josh let's start with our with our with our game weeks just gone so do you want to go first first mark yeah get, get out of the way as quick as i can it was a it was another red arrow i think i'm on seven red arrows in a row now so i mean i'm still okay i'm about 33k overall but to me the way the last few weeks have gone it feels like i'm a lot worse than 33k so it's, it's you've got to try and keep perspective even though it's tricky to do so i brought in trent alexander arnold for regulon so that went well uh, it's gone well so far we'll see what regulon does in the double game week captain jota blank there finished on 43 i no shows from alonso and calvert lewin was was pretty frustrating calvert lewin in particular I was holding out hope for Monday night that he could salvage my game week somehow. So, yeah, 43, red arrow, we move on. I mean, you made a very good transfer there. So, I guess you did all you could. Um, I mean, imagine if you didn't bring in Trent. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the issues were the issues go back to last week because I wildcarded a week early. 
you know, I was always eyeing up 31, like a lot of people, seen an opportunity to go a week early and obviously hasn't panned out because, you know, didn't go for players like Salah, Lingard and Ianacho. You know, probably a couple of mistakes on my part in there as well in, in hindsight. So, yeah, it's definitely last two game weeks haven't gone the way I'd hoped. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw your wild card that you did last week and I was I was really jealous of it. I'm like really, really jealous. It's just not not panned out with those with those Chelsea guys, really. But Josh, I mean, how, how was your game week? I'm assuming it was good as always recently <laughs> yeah it was good um so we got 60 points so i wild carded um i had two transfers uh, to use um so it was a bit of a, a question mark as to whether to to use them and keep pushing the wild card um or whether to go now um and i got injuries to lookman and antonio and it meant that i wasn't going to be able to make the the moves I wanted to um, and there was just a number of players that I wanted and I wanted for game week 31 um, so the, the bad news was that I transferred out Dallas but he would have been on my bench anyway um, but yeah good news was uh, 60 points uh, captain Sterling who who uh, who blanked um, but yeah rest of my team uh, did well I kept Lingard and brought in Trent and uh, Ian Acho on my wild card so uh, fairly happy I because I know I wasn't on last week but you were saying you didn't think Trent was worth the money uh, from memory it was about a week ago so did I? maybe that was, didn't. That was Abdul maybe I, wasn't it oh maybe it was Abdul maybe no, it was not me I'm, I'm, I'm all over Trent I mean his stats recently are just ridiculous he's created the most chances in the game I think um yeah. In, in, the, in the up in the you know last sort of run of game weeks yeah so I'm, I, I I for me I, I decided to go heavy at the back really um I, I decided to go for Trent go for Shaw and keep Cancelo I just think there's so much value at the back at the moment and I just think these guys can can seriously haul in any game in any game week and um so I decided to go for three premiums as opposed to four. And I think the template for wildcard at the moment is to go for um, Salah, uh, Bruno, Son and Kane. Um, so I went for Salah and Kane and then Sterling as my captain who will move to to Son and then who will move to Bruno. Um, so transfers booked in, which is never ideal, but I feel that going three premiums over four just means that I've got... Uh, that wiggle room to have a stronger defence and a little bit of money in the bank in case, you know, I wanted to make upgrades elsewhere. Well, it's, it's a nice start to it anyway. And I mean, I, I only just sold Trent, so I'm, I'm quite jealous because um, <laughs> I had a horrific time with him, a string of zeros, ones and twos. But it's not as bad as my game week. So my game week rank was just over six million. I got 33 points. When I set my team last week, I was really looking forward to this game week because... So when the deadline went last week, I had three Arsenal players. I had a Bamiyang, Saka and Tierney um, for that Sheffield United game. That's why I'd held them through the Liverpool game. Obviously, Tierney got injured. Then a Bamiyang, who I decided to captain because I just really like that fixture. He decided to get flu a couple of days you know, after the Europa League game. So I ended up with just Saka in that game and he went off injured. So Arsenal win 3-0 and I got three points. Um, from, from Arsenal players. My vice captain was Jamie Vardy. Transfer was obviously moving Tierney on and I went for Phillips in the end. I just think I had a bad experience with Trent and he's very hard to get off once you've got him. You know, you never want to downgrade Trent because he's the best defender in the game. So I decided 
Phillips could be the best value defender in the game. And it's very hard to get Trent anyway. So if I need to do a hit to remove Phillips for Trent later in the day, you know, I will do that. But yeah, awful game week. So we move on. Let's move on to more positive things. And if you want to join the FPL Surgery Patreon, please Google FPL Surgery Patreon or go to patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. Of course, thank you to all of our patrons, but in particular, those who pledge at the highest tier get an extra special mention each week. Those people are Andy Portlock, Ross from FPL Merch, and of course, Ron Prosk as well. So let's go back to the headlines. Now, our first headline, I mean, I can't believe this is even a headline. You know, if you told me this a few weeks ago, I'd I'd think it was a joke. But is Jesse Lingard essential? So we've got a question on Twitter from FPL Clough. Uh, What should non-owners do about Lingard? Just jump on him and hope this form continues. He's becoming a real pain in the arse. I think the only person here that's got Lingard is Josh. So if we go to you first of all, Mark, what's your thoughts on on Lingard? My thoughts on Lingard are that he's he's quickly becoming one of my most hated (laughs) FPL players of all time. And do you know what? It's I think when I reflect on my wild card at the end of the season, one of the things I think I will recognises that it was a mistake not to get him because I've been I've even been talking about myself in recent weeks saying things you know like FPL often throws you a bone sometimes and you just got to grab it whether you think it's going to last or not you know looking you know I've, I think I've had seven or eight hours in a row and Lingard's played a massive role in that you know anyone who's had him has been you know flying past me in the rankings recently so it's got to the stage now where I think I just have to get him whether I believe he's going to continue doing well or not you know I just got to get him and hope he continues to do well. But even if I own him and he stops scoring, I'll be equally as happy because he's not hurting me anymore. But, you know, looking at West Ham's fixtures for the rest of the season, you know, I didn't realise how good they actually are. If you take out the Chelsea game in game week 33, you could argue that West Ham have winnable games in all of their other, you know, six fixtures. So he's still got the fixtures. He's obviously got the form. You know, West Ham are, are having an amazing season. I don't buy into too much about, you know, Antonio Rice and, and Creswell being out, maybe limiting. Uh, Lingard's potential I think he could easily continue doing well he doesn't need to get you know 12 14 pointers every week even if he's getting you know six or seven pointers here and there he's going to be good value at his price so yeah it's got to the point he's playing Newcastle next so I mean if I don't get him this week I'm probably never going to get him I'm even considering taking a minus four biting the bullet for my own sanity and just getting him in and, and whatever will be will be I think that's the thing with him because I remember I didn't have Suchek earlier in the season and he was only scoring one goal so it wasn't quite as painful but I mean obviously Lingard he's doing double attacking returns and he's done it what three weeks in a row now it just makes him a lot more damaging yeah exactly um like I said if you know what those last three games in particular when he's getting the 12 and 14 pointers it's just it's just you're, you're struggling to get a green arrow at all then if you don't have him his ownership has shot up you know even quicker than I thought it would it's quite high now I would imagine, I haven't looked at it, but I would imagine in the top 10k, it's it's extremely high, especially after people wildcarding him in last week. So yeah, it's I think it's a mistake that I didn't get him, and it's a mistake I probably want to fix this week. Yeah, and um, what do you think, Josh? Uh, you've obviously got Lingard, so I'm assuming you're not going to sell. No, I brought him in game week 29 after he obviously wasn't able to play against United, and that's actually been the, the run of his three double-figure hauls in a row, which has been great. Um, I didn't really bring him in with that much confidence, if I'm honest with you. Um, at the time, it was him or Trossard, and I felt like it was Trossard for one game or or Lingard for uh, for however many I wanted until I was wildcard, and I felt it was a better, you know, a bit more enabling me to be a bit more flexible with the wildcard. Um, 
I mean, yeah, he's 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 the hottest player in the league at the moment, isn't he? He's he's absolutely on fire. Um, I put a tweet out earlier actually about bandwagons in general and just said really my sort of views as to when you're thinking about the latest bandwagon, whoever it may be, whether it's Lingard, Nacho, or or whoever, even a defend, even a you know a, a fullback or or whatever. Um, it's it's always about really for me stats and fixtures. Um, so whether their stats are good. Um, whether their stats are sustainable and um, whether they've got the fixtures to maintain the form they're in. I think Jesse Lingard's stats are good. Are they sustainable? It depends what stats you're looking at. I don't like to look at like one specific statistic. I like to look at the whole thing as well as the eye test. So, you know, if you're just looking at XG, yes, they're massively unsustainable. But if you look at the eye test, it's sustainable. And if you look at, you know, shots in the box and shots on target and uh he, he you know he's uh he's he's got great stats at the moment and then with regards to the fixtures yeah as, as mark just said apart from that chelsea game in game week 33 they've got great fixtures until the end of the season and i think the thing with um declan rice and antonio um I think Declan Rice is going to have a massive effect on on West Ham and I know in the last couple of games from an attacking perspective it hasn't but we've seen how vulnerable they've been defensively when they've gone in when they've gone into these 3-0 leads um and now they've lost Aaron Creswell so they could be even worse defensively um but I think the Antonio thing what it does mean is that Lingard's got to step up more and it means that rather than essentially playing as like a number 10 behind Antonio he's interchanging with the likes of Bowen, Benrahma, Fornells, whoever's there. So it's a little bit more fluid. And therefore, he's probably, as we saw when he scored, I think his second against Leicester, you know, he was the furthest man forward and he passed the ball into the into an empty net. And that probably would have been Antonio on another day. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, lo- I really like what Mark said, because I think you summed up how I feel about it as well. And I mean, I must be honest, I've already done Saka to Lingard it's not I don't know if he is going to continue this I mean I I doubt it but it almost doesn't matter at this stage he's just so cheap I can't really see any alternatives maybe some someone could argue for someone like Jota for example but I just can't see a reason not to have him I've got a question though it's actually from me um so I was thinking I mean if obviously there are people out there who have Lingard and are convinced he's going to keep this up he's going to keep going and I guess my question would be, why would you not then add to it and go for someone like Bowen? You know, he's he's even taking some corners now. He's playing, you know, up top. If you're really confident in Jesse Lingard, you've got to be really confident in the in the West Ham attack with those fixtures. Um, I mean, Mark, what do you think about adding maybe a second West Ham West Ham midfielder or or attacker? Yeah, do you know what? It's um it's something I've kind of warmed to a lot more this season than in previous seasons. I think it goes to me back to me playing a lot of daily fantasy games this season where it's all about, you know, stacking attacks and stacking defences. You'll all, often go for two or three attackers from one team in a, in a weekend tournament. And I think I like it more now in FPL as well. You know, for example, Ianacho Vardy, I think it's a pretty good double up for the next couple of weeks. And like you say, if you've already got Lingard and he's doing well for you, it's going to get to a stage now, you know, probably this week or next week where even if he does well, it's probably not going to make a huge difference in your ranks or your mini leagues because everyone's going to have him before long if he continues it. So then you've got to think, if I'm back at Lingard, 
that kind of means I'm back in the West Ham attack. So why not, as you say, get get a bone as well, or even go back to a South check. So yeah, I do like I do like the double up when I when I look at the fixtures. Uh, I guess the issue with Bowen alongside Lingard is we've still got a lot a lot of other very attractive midfield options, and I think a lot of people won't do it because of that. But I certainly like it as a differential to get Bowen in alongside Lingard. Yeah, it's it's a good point actually. Um, on the you know because obviously you need to remove someone as well. And I was quite lucky that I have Saka who got injured, so I could easily move him just just to Lingard, even for the for the single player. Um, but it does move on quite nicely actually to a couple more questions we've got. So we've got one on Slack from Jeff Pedder. Um, now he's our son this week for the double, or just get Lingard against Newcastle. Now we haven't even mentioned that there's a double game week. That's how you know that how strong the discussions are on on Lingard at the moment. But what do you think, Mark? About would you prioritise Son or Lingard? <laughs> do you know what? It's funny. Before I answer the question, I'm I'm, sit, I'm sitting at my kitchen table. I'm looking out the window and I'm just listening to us talking about Lingard. I think we'll look back in, in <laughs> ten years' time. We'll think, do you remember that year, 2021, where where we spent weeks and weeks talking about Jesse Lingard? It's it's hard to get your head around, honestly. Um, it's mad. So, it's almost like if he was some 18-year-old Brazilian kid and not Jesse Lingard, we'd probably have believed it a bit earlier. Exactly. <laughs> Stick a, a, a Dino on the end of his name and, yeah. and we'd be going for 100, 100 million this summer. He, he could well be going for 100 million this summer if he keeps going the way he's going. So, yeah, back to Jess question. Some this week for the double or just get Lingard for Newcastle. I think that's probably a, a harder decision than it should be in normal times you know you'd I would always tend to favor the double game we player in that scenario you know regardless really of, of which players they are and even on this one yeah I think Lingard you know I'd love to have him against Newcastle this weekend but if I didn't own either at the moment Son or Lingard I still think I'd probably lean towards Son and I think I think that goal against Manchester United would help in that decision. It probably give me a little bit more confidence for the double game week. I don't have much faith in Spurs at the moment, but I do I do, you know, even though Sun's been pretty quiet for, for quite a few months now, I still there's still a world class player in there. So I, I think it's trickier than it should be, that decision this week, but I still probably would just lean towards Sun this week and then, you know, possibly even jump off Sun to Lingard at some point after that. Yeah, I think I think I'd agree with that as well because it's like we mentioned double ups going, you know, for Bowen and Lingard, and I guess Son and Kane have been that. I mean, the entire season since since game week two. Um, what, what do you think, Josh? I think yeah, you got to go for Son this week um, just because of the double. I mean, I, I'm a, I love a double game week, but you got to think he he starts he starts he starts the game week really on four points, doesn't he? Really, presuming he gets. You know, he gets a, a full game both both games, and you would have, which you would have thought would be the case. Um, so yeah, I think um, also Southampton at the moment, who's the second game, they look really there for the taking. Um, they've got injuries, and um, yeah, they just look they look one of the worst teams in the league in terms of form. Um, going back to what Mar was saying about, you know, can't believe that it's it's Lingard and and you know where we're at with him. So one thing I've been trying to do a bit more this season is. In the past, I've I've never really been a very fickle FPL manager. I've always been a, a bit of a sort of like you know, no, no, well that you know he can't he can't keep that up or no he's he's not great or or whatever it was. And it's I like think Ramsey and Yaya Toure and the, the, Mares. <laughs> yeah, the season that the season that I had my worst season um, was when Leicester won the league, and and that was because I'm not fickle. And um, this season, I said to myself that I was going to be more fickle um and not you know not doubt these players when they when they come through if they aren't a fashionable name to have in your team um and i think you know 
Lingard is a prime example of that. And I think sometimes we've just got to let let go of any previous that we have on any of these players and just almost look at them with a clean slate and as to what's in front of us now. Yeah, do you know, it's, it's a good point. I think I think what I found hard about Lingard in particular is be, I think being a Manchester United fan has made it harder to go to him because, I mean, it's not that long ago, I'm pretty sure Lingard went through a whole season or at least towards until the very end of the season before he got his first attack and return, maybe game week 37 or game week 38. So I think as a United fan, you know, we've got a lot of memories of being disappointed on many occasions with Lingard, you know, especially when he was towards his, his later days in the, in the Manchester United starting 11. So I definitely think when I look back, one takeaway from this season will be, you know, like you've said, Josh, you know, take everything with a clean slate, which I usually do. But I think this is maybe the first time it's ever happened to me where it's an ex-Manchester United player. And I think I've really struggled with it. And I think that's why even in game week 30, when I was playing my wild card, I didn't even give him that much thought. I kind of overlooked him almost instantly for other options because in the back of my mind, I had those feelings about him from previous. And I shouldn't have had them. Like I said, each new season, treat each player with a, with a clean slate. And that's something I need, I need to do next season. But I think it's like it's like what you said in the past about Danny Ings and his injury record and Callum Wilson and players like that, you know, how they can ser- be serious, tro- you know, trolls, with Callum Wilson being the troll and Danny Ings being the injury issue. But yeah, you know, you know that, I mean, you know, Danny um, Danny Ings has been incredible at Southampton at times and, and, and Wilson was incredible for Newcastle at the start of the season. I think, yeah, it's just it's just one of those things. It's hard. I think the more and more experience you get in the game and the more the longer you play it, the more, I guess, the more, um, you know, sort of you get into a you get into a flow and away with it and, and, and probably get more stubborn whereas the more sort of managers that are fresh to the game and fresher to FBL and they're maybe in their second or third season, they they probably don't look at it with the same same lens that we do. Exactly. I think I think it disadvantages some us sometimes having played the game for let's say ten seasons because even if you don't even if you say you don't hold on to old feelings or old biases, it's it's quite hard to shake them, even, you know, subconsciously. And I think I think Lingard, for me, that season is a very good example of that. There was the game, I watched it, so it was England against San Marino, and he had, I think it was six or seven shots, and he didn't score, and he should have scored. And I guess there's two ways I could have seen that. I mean, first of all, the three ways, probably. I could have completely ignored it because it was San Marino. Um, I could have seen it as a positive that he had so many shots, but I think I took the negative that his finishing wasn't great. Um, and then I think I used, but I think I used it in my own way. So I used it as a reason not to get him. Whereas with someone like Aubameyang, who's in my team, I used his XG in the Europa League being really high as a reason to get him. So I guess maybe sometimes as well, there's even with recent things, you can just use stats to prove prove what you. And yeah, that's I mean that's why I didn't get Lingard on on more recent stuff. But let's move on to our second headline. So our second headline is about Manchester City. Um, so whether it's time to dump all of our Manchester City assets. We had a question from Ian on Twitter asking, should we free ourselves from Pep Roulette and go City free for the rest of the season? Um, so I mean, Mark, you didn't have any Man City players on your on your wild card. Um, so is is that the way you're leaning? Yeah, so that was a that was a conscious decision I made on wildcard. I think at the time I had Diaz and Gundogan, um, and I just decided, you know, for the final whatever it was, eight or nine weeks of the season, that I didn't 
want to be sweating over City team sheets every weekend because we know, and we've seen it in the most recent game week, that I think Pep made seven changes. So I just wanted to you know, focus more on players that I know are going to play every week. I know I did go for Alonso, but I think he's a justified gamble because he often gets zero minutes anyway when he doesn't play. But with the likes of Diaz, Gundogan, De Bruyne, you know, we're going to see lots and lots of rotation from them. So yeah, it was just... Just quite a you know simplifying the game you know you, you need you need your players to be on the pitch to get your FPL points and I didn't want to be investing you know a lot of cash in Man City players who may not spend you know a lot of time on the pitch between now and the end of the season and I still don't really mind not having them um, you know maybe that first week without Diaz when he got the clean sheet I was like okay maybe I should have kept him but then I should seen him on the bench last weekend I'm thinking right this was probably a justified or a logical way to play it. And I, I still don't see myself going back there. You know, I made that decision in Gaming 30 to go without City for the foreseeable future. And I think there's probably a pretty good chance I will just ride out the season now without them just to stay away from that um, pair Prevet every weekend. Would you ever see yourself jumping on one, like for a captaincy, for example? Is that in any of your, your thinking? Or is it just a, it's a firm, no, I'm just going to try and ignore them? Yeah, I think when it's comes to captaincy in particular it's a firm no because I don't think there's any week between now and the end of the season where I can say Kevin De Bruyne or Gundogan is definitely going to start so I think when you've got the likes of of Harry Kane, Bruno and, and players like Salah who are you, you can pretty much be pretty sure they're going to start week in week out you know I'll always go for those safer captain picks so especially with someone like De Bruyne if you're going to spend a lot of money on him but you don't have faith in yourself to captain them because of the rotation fears. I just rather not have them. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not going to rule out getting one back at some point. But it, I don't think it would be an expensive one. It'd probably more be someone like Gunda one possibly, or going back to to Ruben Diaz. But I think most likely I'll just avoid. It's probably quite an envious position because a bit like I said about Trent earlier, it's it's quite hard coming off of them because you just think me and Josh were talking before we even started recording about Cancelo. And it's one of those things where it's it's kind of hard. It's, you just start thinking, oh, one more game week. And I think a lot of people had that with Gundogan, with De Bruyne this week, where you just, just want to keep them like one more game week. I mean, what is that your thoughts on that then, Josh, that you're just going to keep Cancelo for now? Yeah, so I, I wildcarded with uh, two of them in. So Sterling, just purely for the captaincy, one week punt this week, which obviously fell flat on his face. But I just felt it was too good an option to, 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 not, to not go for, really. Um, I'm not a massive one for differential captains, but when I see an opportunity and I don't need to take hits to to, to do it, then I'll, I'll go for it, particularly on a, a premium player that we know can haul like he can. Um, yeah, Cancelo is the only one other one that I kept. I just think, you know, I wanted to go big at the back and I wanted to go for with exciting defenders who can you know, equally get me uh, clean sheet points and, and, and attacking returns and also a very strong for bonus. Um, and both him, Trent and Shaw offer all of that. Um, yeah. And I like that I've got then sort of uh, Rudiger and Cody who are just sort of nailed, not as exciting, sit there if any of those if any of those guys get a full rest and hopefully it is, like Mark says, a, a 90 or zero uh, option in Cancelo. And... I just feel like he's he's still not quite delivered what he should have done this season. No. And and yes, you know, they've got their fingers in a lot of pies in terms of, you know, they've got the, the FA Cup semi coming up, the Carabao Cup final, they're still in the Champions League, look like they might they should go through tomorrow against Dortmund. So, you know, there's gonna be a lot of rotation, but I still feel like Cancelo is is still got 
a haul in him before the end of the season, and I just hope that I can catch it really because I, you know, that he, he's, he's, you know, he can easily pull off a twenty pointer in any given game week. Do you know what? He's only got the two double figure hauls this season, and both of them for me have been tainted because obviously he got the twelve pointer against Fulham, but I didn't have John Stones, so you couldn't fully enjoy that unless you had Cancelo and Stones. And then obviously he got that that famous 17-pointer against West Brom. But, I mean, on a personal level, I'd captain Foden and he got subbed off um, at 4-0 up before the 60th minute. So are you just going to hold him completely and he's going to be the only one? I'm going to hold him until after the blank Yep. and see where I'm at, basically. Yep. I'm not saying that I'm going to hold him for, for because the event eventually it's going to get to the point where United can't can't win the league and City of crown champions and then, then by that point who knows what he's going to do is he going to give him 30 minutes at the end of a game just to keep him his fitness good and stuff you know while they keep sort of parallel processing you know with the Champions League and the, and the FA Cup and whatnot so yeah, yeah I, you know but the thing is is he's he's you know there's plenty of other great options around that yeah. sort of price like Everton will have a double soon Dean is a, a lot, you know, someone who, who would happily move him to, um, you know, and the, 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 there, there are others as well. So I just feel like, yeah, and, and, and for me as well, I, I wildcarded this week and, you know, yes, in hindsight, obviously they lost 2-1 to Leeds, but I just looked at that game and I fancy Cancelo to start and I just thought he could go absolutely bananas in that game. And he didn't. I mean, he had opportunities as he does in every game, but um, I just he thought didn't, that, that... He didn't look as advanced. I think because no, Mendy I... was on the left. Mendy yeah. seemed to be the one staying forward and he was dropping back into a back three. He looked more threatening at the end when they were chasing the game. But... When, they, when Mendy came off, I think it was, wasn't yeah. it? Um, and I do think, yeah, in terms of the way that they would that they were doing that it was more yeah that Cancelo moved into the three and Mendy bombed on rolling the other way around but I don't know whether that was him conserving Cancelo's energy for Dortmund um but yeah just on paper I just looked at it and thought blimey Leeds are gonna allow him so much space and to get into little pockets and whatnot and I just felt a big haul but it wasn't to be anyway he's quite a low-owned player now so we're we're moving on we've got a question you partly answered it josh but ryan's asking on twitter best defensive replacements for diaz so i mean mark what kind of players would you look at for a replacement for diaz if if you owned him yeah i've I've got my watch list open here and there's there's not that many defenders that i love at the moment obviously i'm tripled up on chelsea if you don't have a Chelsea defender yet, I still think getting one of them in would be fine. I think there's still some okay fixtures to come there. Trent's the obvious one if you don't have him. And cash, you've got a bit of extra cash there. I still like Luke Shaw. I brought him in on wildcard. Hasn't gone to plan so far, but I think he's got Burnley next and then Leeds. So I'm hopeful of clean sheets in those games. And then it's options where I'm not feeling great about. You know, Fafana was looking good last week, but then Leicester... Did not look good defensively against West Ham. You've got players like Holding, who's cheap. Do you know what? If I had, I know I said I've I freed myself of Manchester City, and it was very, it actually felt very refreshing going into a game week without them not having to worry about it. But I think if I owned Diaz right now, and he was just after having his rest, looking at the possible replacement options, probably aside from Trent, maybe a Chelsea defender. But there's still, you know, there's obviously some question marks there now as well. I'd probably end up keeping him at this stage. Just because he's had that rest, I would view that as a good thing that he's you know less likely to get rested anytime soon now. So yeah, looking at the options, nothing jumps out at me big time. So I think it would probably be okay to keep him at this stage. 
Yeah, they're, they're actually quite big differentials now. I was surprised how much the ownership seemed to drop. I guess it was wildcard week, so that probably contributed to it. But yeah, quite big differentials. Because I think a few weeks ago, if you, you needed to have two Man City defenders or you didn't get any benefit from the clean sheet. Mm, it feels like that with Chelsea now, doesn't it? Yeah, I it's mean, well... to that point where... Um... If they kept a clean sheet. Not, not, <laughs> I not to, say that. Yeah. <laughs> what I normally do is I actually add up the um, the actual ownership of each of them. So if you add up essentially the goalkeeper and all of the starting defenders, you know, essentially if it gets to over 100%, you know you're not going to benefit. As simple as that. And uh, I'd say Chelsea definitely would be over 100 if you added them all together now. Obviously, you don't really know which, which wing-backs are going to start. But, you know, if you just... Uh, if you went with the highest owned ones, so James and um, and and uh, Alonso, I think yeah, it'd definitely be over 100. percent Which um, so if you had to pick just one Chelsea defender, which which one would it be? If we start with you, Mark. Yeah, I think now if I had a blank canvas, I would just go for the cheapest or one of the cheapest ones. I'd probably just go Rudiger now. I've got Mendy, Azpilicueta, and Alonso, uh, and obviously if you have. As Poliquetta and Alonso, it's a lot of cash in, in two defensive positions. So, again, in hindsight, I'd probably like to be sitting here now with maybe Alonso and Rudiger rather than Alonso and Aspi. Just you know, I went Aspi just thought he was more secure starter than than Rudiger, which which he probably is anyway. But yeah, I think I would go cheap now, either the goalkeeper or or Rudiger. I wanted James on wildcard. No, he's the worst one now, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wanted James because. I love him. Massive fan. I think he's, and he offers everything. He's decent price. He's attacking. He's playing wing back, but he never, ever stays on the bench. If you look at all of his, um, all of his minutes since uh, Tuchel came in, he's every single time Hudson Roy plays right wing back, he comes on for 15, I, I owned him for most of the season. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's a night, it's a nightmare. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I, I would, I, I would agree. I'd go Rudiger. I just don't think that, at the moment, Azpi's worth a million pound more. Um, I think he is, yes, obviously slightly more nailed, but I think that uh, Rudiger hopefully is a 90 or zero man, so it shouldn't cause you much of a headache if he uh, if he does miss one. Yeah, and I think it should be said, I mean, Chelsea have been so unlucky. Like that Benteke shot was the, the only one on goal. And obviously the West Brom game, I mean, as well as they did against Southampton, I think the red card changed, changed a lot of that game. So I do go into every week now really nervous not having a Chelsea defender but I had a triple up myself earlier in the season with three completely different three as well Mark but I don't know it just put a bad taste in my mouth with all the rotation and they just seem to find a way to concede even I mean I remember David McGoldrick scoring against them um, <laughs> but, uh, we move on to our third headline so that's how to cope with a bad season obviously I'm having an awful season both of you are having you know a, a good season but I think this was partly inspired by I think a lot of people have had a bad game week this week and I know Mark you did um so you have an incredible record but you, one of your most famous seasons was when you did badly um but I think people were so like you know you you talked about it very openly you recorded podcasts every week you didn't shy shy away from it and you wrote a list of rules so it's fa- it was kind of famous for a, for a good reason I mean how do people like myself cope with a bad season Mark yeah I think I think the bad season was the best thing that ever happened to me, to be honest, as an FPL manager for a few reasons. Number one, it, it brought me back down to earth. I thought I was untouchable for a couple of seasons, you know, getting the top 500 finishes, never really having a bad finish before that. And then crash bang wallop, when you go full-time FPL, 
the curse of Patreon, I was calling. I think myself and Jay Eggersdorf set up our Patreon in the same season, and we both had absolute shockers. I finished, I think I finished 550k that season, which is obviously a lot worse than than previous. I think at the, at that point, if I had added up all my previous finishes, it wouldn't have added up to more than 550. So, I mean, everything that went wrong could go wrong. And obviously, I, I don't think I managed my team well that season for various reasons. And it's, you know why it's, I feel like I don't, I feel like I shouldn't be moaning when I'm, when I'm 33K, but I've really, to be honest, struggled with, with FPL over the last couple of weeks, probably the last maybe six weeks with, with all those red arrows. Everything was going so swimmingly for me this season. Um, even though it was a really tricky season in terms of, you know, random postponements, random players getting COVID, all this kind of stuff. I, I managed to weather the storm in the early days, had a really good start to the season. And, you know, six, seven weeks ago, I was I was top 2K and I was in my head. I was already getting prepared for, you know, hopefully another top 500 finish. And since then, it's all unraveled and it feels absolutely terrible. And, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like many people at the moment, I think, feeling a bit disillusioned with the game and even though you know my rank's pretty good I think I think I put too much pressure on myself to be honest to do well I think that's why I've been struggling in recent weeks it's really been affecting me probably more than ever to be honest probably you know fell out of love with FPL for a couple of weeks more so than I did even when I had the 500k season I think I really enjoyed that 500k season even though it wasn't a good one because it was my first time, you know, full-time FPL and really enjoyed everything that went with that. But I have, I've really found myself struggling in recent weeks. The wild card didn't go well. And even though, you know, things are not disastrous for me, um, I find myself counting down the days until game week 38 now because I feel like I really need a break. And I think a lot of us need a break, whether you're having a good season or a bad season. It's been probably the most intense FPL season ever because all the games are spread out. Um, I think a big factor as well is we didn't have a nice break between seasons, which we usually do. I think as well, being a content creator makes things even harder because you have to keep coming back every week, churn out the content. And I find myself as a content creator, there probably comes a point in every season where I hit a brick wall anyway in terms of motivation. Uh, you're probably around game week 30 and it's it's coincided with me getting a couple of red hours this season. So yeah, it's how do I cope with a bad season? I think it's hard for me to cope because I think the easiest way to cope for, with a bad season is to kind of disengage a little bit, you know, watch less games, spend less time on social media um, and just step back a little bit. But I, it's, it's obviously very hard for me to do that when I've got patrons and stuff like that I need to talk to and, and create content for. So, yeah, interesting to hear how you're dealing with, with your season, Rich. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think I, I completely understand where you're coming from. Like, it, I think it is all all relative, like because I remember last season I had the best start I've ever had I mean I was trying to remember now I think it was about 18k in game week three which has is, is never happened to me before and then I just dropped away and I only dropped away to about 100k before bouncing back but I just remember being really really annoyed about it and I, I think it is all relative because it's almost like we're playing different different games as in if someone's in the top 10k um, they're going to have different expectations to someone like myself I mean I'm down to 800k now so my expectations are very different. It's got to the point now where I find myself going into weekends now, you know, the deadline arrives and it comes to a Saturday morning and the first kickoff's on and I find myself not even want to watch the games, which I think when you get to that point, you've got to, you've got to take a step back and, and just try and go back to, to finding 
your enjoyment for the game and why you play it in the first place, which is because it obviously enhances your experience of the Premier League. But I don't even think that's FPL related. I just think a lot of us have probably watched an awful lot more games than we ever would in a normal season. If you've got five or six games at three o'clock on a Saturday, which which I can't wait to go back to, I presume they will go back to it, and, and I hope they do for, for us FPL managers, because I think it's a healthier way to play the game. There's a lot of managers who, like myself, particularly maybe first half of the season, you could end up watching anything from seven, eight, nine, ten games from a game week over the course of a week, and I don't think that's healthy for anyone um, playing FPL. I think you've got to pick your games. I don't think you need to watch you know, massive numbers of games to, to do well. I think for, for a point in the season there as well, I think the last two or three games have been better. But I think, obviously, no fans in the stadium. A lot of the games are really, really terrible. You know, you sit down for two hours of your day and it's 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 a pretty boring game. And then you're thinking, right, I probably should do something more productive with my game and maybe just watch Match of the Day instead. So, yeah, it's, I can understand where people are coming from. Um, and honestly, I think the break will do all of us good. I think we forget, too, that it's it's been an extremely challenging season for many many reasons we've also most of us have been locked down it's been very difficult for us in real life as well as as fpl life so i think we've got to remember that and and keep it all in perspective and honestly i'm just really looking forward to next season already because hopefully it's going to be a lot more normal um, and hopefully that real enjoyment will come back for the game i hope so because i I think normally my saturday routine would be i'd go to watch the reading game at three three o'clock and i wouldn't even follow all those games like i'll check the scores at half time and i'll check the scores at full time but i'd be more concerned with something else so whether that's going to watch a football game or you might just be out doing something um you know to distract you from this but and i haven't got the willpower that josh has got josh would just not watch a game and not check the score Whereas I tried to do that last night for the Everton game where I had Calvert-Lewin. Well, I didn't have Calvert-Lewin and Luca Dean. And it got to about the 88th minute. I checked the score and it was nil-nil. And then I am i couldn't stop checking until full time. Like I put the alerts on and stuff. Like I just don't have the willpower. But it's not not a good way to, in, to enjoy the game. Yeah. Um, I was very disciplined first half of this season with things like switching off on a Saturday, watching match of the day, not checking the scores, um, not looking at live FPL for for live rank and stuff like that. But I found as the season's gone on, I've slipped into my old habits. You know, I, I value overall rank way too much. You know, I put, like I said, about too much pressure on myself to do well. And when I see a red arrow, it, it's, it's getting to me these days when, you know, realistically, it really shouldn't be. At the end of the day, it's a game. And if that's annoying me, I really need to ask myself, you know, why and, and take steps to make sure that doesn't. So, um, yeah, I think for anyone who is who is having a, having a tough season, you know, it's the main advice for me is is what I, what I would love to do, which I can't really do, is, is just take a step back, um, you know, watch less games. I think social media is a big one. And this doesn't just go for FPL managers. You know, spending less time on social media in, in any format is, is only can only be a good thing for you. You know, get yourself outdoors and and do more important things in life. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, like I say, I'm looking forward to the break. I feel like I really need a, a refresh. <laughs> I mean, where would you want to be? So, say pre-season, you could choose, well, not choose your rank, because you'll probably want to be number one. But, it, you know, where would you want to be at this point in the season? Because I'm assuming it wouldn't be that far off 30K. I know, and this is why, like you say, it's all relative. I, yeah. I People yeah. will be listening to this saying, why on earth is he moaning? I would love to be where he is. But... Like you say, if, if you've had a really good start, it doesn't matter where you rank. Because if you get seven red arrows in a row, it doesn't matter if you're 2K or 2 million. You're going to have the same feelings. Um, yeah. But when I take a step back and I ask myself, 
where would I have liked to have been right now? You're probably right. You're probably you're probably 20k, 25k. If you offered to me that at the start of the season, absolutely give me that, and I'll try and get to the top k, 10k from there in the final seven game weeks. So I've um, top 10k is always my goal, and I think again, I think as 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 FPL managers, hardcore managers, we do put way too much pressure on ourselves, and it, and it takes away probably from the enjoyment of the game. Where you know, if, if I think back to six, seven years ago when I when I wasn't involved in, in FPL Twitter or or content creation, I probably I probably did enjoy the game more because I feel like now, as a full time FPL content creator, I need to do well. But at the end of the day, you don't. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you have a bad season. You're only as you're only as good as your last season. You know, we all start on on zero points again in in August or September, whenever it is. And again, it's it's always about trying to find that enjoyment uh, of the game. No, exactly. So I guess it is just trying to change your mindset. I mean, I wouldn't be able to do it. I'd be this, you know, I'd be the same as you. I'd be, I guess, just trying to forget where you were ranked, um, if if possible, and just think of the positives about, I guess, where you, where you are. I mean, what what do you think, Josh? I think well, I can completely get what Mark's saying. I mean, he was in an, in an incredible position at uh, one point of the season, and it's just about momentum, isn't it? You know. Um, like if he was coming into his current rank with green arrows, he'd, he'd feel great because he's he's on he's on he's got the momentum and he's on a surge. But obviously, because he's gone backwards from an even better position than 33k, it feels different to to you know to to moving forward to 33k. So that's I think whatever position you're in, you always want more. I mean, um, you know, if you were if you were third and you slipped down to 17th, you're going to feel like oh well that's that done then. But actually, you're 17th and there's still seven game weeks to go. You could still win it and what an amazing achievement to even finish 17th. So you know it's it's i think it's all it's all relative we're all we're all ambitious we're all you know competitive and and you know that's why we put the time into this game and that's why we love it um and we do have times of course when we you know fall out of love a bit and we feel a little bit you know disjointed or or that you know a bit sort of um you know you've not got much energy left for it and stuff and and I, I was I was sort of in that position last season where I was I was um I was 84k after nine game weeks and I was like you know it was in an incredible position and then a few unlucky things happened to me like the, the Lundstrom benching and a few bits and bobs like that and I just I just lost my head and I literally was like Mark just said earlier, I was counting down the weeks until the end of the season. And I just was like, I just want to finish in the top hundred K. And as long as I do that, then I'll be fine. And I finished 91 K. It was my second worst finish, but it was, um, it was, you know, it wasn't great. And then you come into this season, you feel fresh. You feel like, right, I can attack it again. I've had a bit of a break. Um, and, for me, like like you said, Rich, about the whole, you know, not not looking at not looking at the scores and stuff like that. Like I've just I've just tried to be a little bit more like managing myself with it and and essentially, you know, being strict. Uh, like Mark said about you know how you how you deal with things. I'm, I kind of almost try and do my FPL during the week um, around work, so where I'm you know listening to podcasts and. Um, and you know, reading articles and and you know and 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 then obviously making my decisions, transfers and captain and whatnot. Obviously recording the podcast, and then at the weekend I I try and switch off and then you know just check 
just check uh, results at full time. And then great if I can watch a game. Brilliant, because I love watching a game, especially if there's FPL connection to it. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's what I would say. And, and but I but I'd do that no matter where I was. I think I'd I'd kind of try and if I was you know if I was 17th, I wouldn't be treating it any differently because I know there's still that emotional attachment of that things can go very well, but equally things can go very badly, and I don't want it to ruin both mine and my family's weekend no if I'm honest. <laughs> i was quite surprised by because i've never been ranked anywhere near this before i dropped from 600k to 800k and i'm surprised how annoyed i was like it so, so i think that does back up you know how it's relative because it's just you just want to get green arrows I think yeah and i, I, I do think that while twitter's fantastic for fpl i do think twitter is is probably them, I mean, you know, there's there's yourself and your self-fulfillment and that you've got your own target and you know how good you are at FPL and your rank history and all that sort of stuff. But I do I do think Twitter doesn't help. And it makes you think that every single goal everyone owns, even if the ownership's minuscule. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and and the same with and the same with big WhatsApp groups that you can be part of, you know. Um Again, they're fantastic. There's probably great banter and you have great fun with some mates and you've made some fantastic connections from FPL. I have, you have, I'm sure, Mark. Cause I, I mute the loads. WhatsApp groups. But yeah. yeah, but mute, <laughs> mute the WhatsApp groups. Don't go on Twitter um, during the game week um, and check the scores of full time. Maybe, you know, if you, if you, you know, maybe reduce the amount of FPL podcasts you listen to. If, if you're in that frame of mind, if you are on a high, then yeah, by all means, listen to four or five a week. But if you're, if you're, you know, if you're uh, not not enjoying it so much, maybe pick one and then listen to some music or something. You know, it's pick you two. just got listen, to change listen to it the up. 59th minute and the surgery. There you go. Good. There you go. You know, I think a good sense. thing to do as well is, um, you know, this is something I should try and do over the next few weeks. Is forget just forget about everyone else and and just set yourself some mini targets. And for example. I've had seven red arrows. My first target gave me 32 should just be get a green arrow and, and that will be progress. Then the week mm. after that, right, I'm going in for top 25K now. And just, just chip away at it. You know, there is a lot of football still to be played. There's a lot of FPL points still to be had, you know, especially with, you know, a couple of double, double game weeks to come as well. So, yeah, many targets and just chip away slowly rather than trying to go for that massive game week that, very often doesn't come. It's usually quite a slow and steady rise. So I just wanted to go back quickly, Josh, as well. I thought you made a very good point about momentum. And I find that's a big challenge for me now. And I think for many people who've had a couple of bad game weeks, because like you said, if I arrived at 33K off the back of five green arrows, I would be very clear in my decision-making. I would know exactly what I wanted to do. And I'd be 100% confident in you know applying those decisions. But because I'm coming up off the back of seven red arrows, you begin to second guess yourself on every single thing. You know, I'm I'm thinking about Lingard and Ianacho this week for a minus four, but I'm asking myself then in the back of my mind, am I doing that because I've had a few bad game weeks? You know, do I just get one of them? You know, what is the minus four going to backfire like everything else has over the last few weeks? So I think when you're on a run of green arrows and when you have the momentum, I think you definitely you you feel more in control of your season and you make better decisions because of that. So. I think that's where the real challenge comes. Is yeah, it's confidence, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You've got, confidence you've... is huge as an FPL manager. It's the exactly. easiest, easiest game when it's going well. It's the hardest game when it when it's not going well because I think you feel like you have no control. 
And a yeah. lot of the time, you've got to remember that, yes, there's skill. And, you know, we've seen that there's managers that feel that finished, you know, high up time and time again. But there is also a lot of luck involved. And, um, you know, and, and you've got to bear that in mind, too. Uh, you know, little injuries and occurring or goals being ruled out because of VAR or, you know, whatever else. So, you know, I th- there's, there's a lot of factors that, that, that come into it. And I think, you know... You know, we're all experienced FPL managers. And I think sometimes also another way of looking at it is is when you sat there and you're thinking, God, not a great game week, you know, if you actually get, grab a piece of paper and a pen and come away from it and write down your worst three FPL experiences, you know, the three times you remember, oh, my God, I need to go for a walk or I need to um, get some fresh air or whatever, you know, think about those is it as bad as those because you got through them you came out the other side and you know on to some better times or, or or whatever so you know everything everything that you experience in fpl you know you go through it you come out the other side and you'll still be great at the game it's just you know the highs and lows of fpl we we've all had them and we all know that they occur exactly and rich what, what i'd say to you as well is i i can guarantee you're obviously having a really tough season and you've never had a, had a tough one like it. But I, gar- I I would almost guarantee that you'll have a very good season next season because what I found was I learned more in one awful season than I probably did about myself as an FPL manager over maybe the previous 10 seasons. So as long as you you know reflect on it at the end of the season and really go through it with a fine tooth comb, I know you might want, not want to do it. It's like, it's like doing a post-mortem. Uh, at the end of the season but there's an awful lot you can take away from a bad season I think you can learn a lot more about yourself as a manager and bring that into next season you know fresh and and I I guarantee you you'll you'll have a good one next year it was definitely something that I want to do um like in the same way that you did where you wrote your list of rules um because there's been a few things things I've noticed I think I'm almost too patient like I think like Josh mentioned earlier he doesn't you know or he's trying to be more fickle like I see a reason not to get a player um, and not reasons to get them. Like I just sit on a player like a Bamiyang, and I think he will eventually come good. And I think in some seasons that that does work, but the last two seasons it, it's definitely not worked. You know, sitting sitting on a player who's not scoring, like I'm sitting on Vardy, where Inacho is the one that's actually getting the points. Um, so maybe I need to be more reactionary and be less patient, which is which is strange actually, because I know Mark, you're very patient. Obviously, I listened to your podcast for for quite a few years and you, you you tend to be very patient but then you've had a great season so yeah it's, I think I think you can definitely be too patient as well I think it has yeah. happened in the past but it, when I reflect on my own season this season I think one of the things I'll, I'll I'll be noting is that I probably wasn't as patient as in previous seasons because I've taken probably a minus 40 or a minus 44 altogether in points it's a season which is a lot more than I usually would usually I would end up on probably minus 20 or minus 24 over the course of the whole season so yeah but again it's been a it's been a strange season and I think there's been a lot of cases where where you've kind of had to take hits this season you know with with you know uh, what's the word it's been more opportunities as well yeah. isn't it with the fixture yeah, changes there's been, there's been more yeah. double game weeks than ever before so when there's an opportunity like that that presents itself then you're like yeah primarily I'll take the minus exactly. normally yeah. They're all stacked up at the end of the season, aren't they? The, yeah. the double game weeks. Yeah, and fixtures just randomly moving. But yeah, no, I, honestly, that was an awesome headline. I re- really enjoyed that. Yeah, um, good discussion. Yeah, yeah. So we'll go to the Iceman's Piss Break now. So, of course, the Iceman's Piss Break is sponsored by FPL Merch. 
All right, mate. Oh, hey. Having a good night? Uh, yeah, fine, thank you. I'm just watching the game. Oh, yeah, me too, me too. Do you like mugs? Um, what, like receptacles? Ah, yeah, like coffee mugs. Yeah, mugs. Do you like them? Uh, I suppose. Well, mate, if you play FPL, there's this guy right on Twitter called FPL Merch who makes mugs exclusively for those belter managers who finish in the top 100,000, right? I'm talking 10k, 50k, 100k, and I'm drinking out of one right now that I've got from last season because I did so well. And I don't drink out of anything else. Are you interested, my friend? Um, no, I'm alright, thanks, mate. But if you get a top 100k finish, then why not celebrate with an FPL merch top 100k mug? Mate, no offence, but you've been the weird guy in the pub toilet. Only £10, our brilliant mug to mark your brilliant season. Seriously, don't worry about it. Thank you, but I've got to get back to the second half. <sighs> He'll be back. He'll be back. Welcome back, listeners. And we'll go straight on to the questions, because like I mentioned earlier, because Mark, the general's on, we've got so many questions. So we will try and get through as many as possible. We probably won't be able to get through them all, um, but let's let's go for it. So our first question is from Emma. Emma's asking, is there another best week to wildcard? How big or difficult to navigate will be the doubles blanks towards the end of the season without a free hit? Um, so, Mark, what, what do you think about that? Is there a best week to wildcard? It's it's pretty annoying that we still have unknowns, even though we're quite close to the end of the season. And in a way, I'm kind of just glad all my chips are out of the way because I wouldn't like the headache of trying to figure out what to do now. I think it's really hard for managers who still have a wildcard. You know, do you go now or do you wait for the unknown? And, and we won't know, obviously, till the season's over when the best time to do that was. I think a lot of it is, is as always with a wildcard, it's team-dependent. What I think I would be doing if I still had a wild card was if I was relatively happy with my squad at the moment, I would probably hold off and in the hope that you know you're going to get a big double game week that you could really attack with the wild card and try and spike you know a massive game week, you know well over 100 points. So yeah, I think team dependent. If you're unhappy with your squads, quite simply, I would just act now and and, and get yourself happy with it. Yeah, nice. Um, what do you think, Josh? Because obviously you were teetering, like you you were saying you weren't going to wild card, and then yeah, I was, I was wobbling all did. week. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. The Antonio, the uh, Antonio and Lukman ones were, were the you know the, the the injuries to them was what essentially made me wild card. Um, I think exactly what Mark said. You know, if um, if if Emma or anyone's teams you know in need of a bit of surgery, go now. But I think with regards to the double game week that we are potentially expected to happen it seems to me like it's going to be one of those where essentially we're just going to lose some fixtures and gain them in another week so the only way you're going to be able to really uh, benefit from it is almost to dead end your team into the double game week and wild card after it so say the double is I think 35 is the rumor which probably doesn't even seem that far away um is, is that you dead-end dead your team into 35 um, and then wildcard 36, which seems, you know, sensible. But then wildcarding with only three game weeks to go means that are you going to see the benefit as much as if you went now? 
so yeah it's just very much team dependent as it always is yeah no it is i mean it's just such a weird season i mean we've had blanks and doubles like we just mentioned earlier before the piss break that you know we've had fixtures just move you know on a whim and that's going to keep keep happening so i'm trying to be quite relaxed about it i mean like mark i've got no, got no chips left at all um so just it is what it is um i'm just going to see what happens i know it's quite a blase attitude but I don't want to be. Uh, if I had a wild card, I wouldn't want to be wild carding with just a couple of game weeks left. I think um, the. Um, I think that when these doubles come out, I think it's going to be a luck thing of how many you've got. I really do. I think it's yeah. going to come out so late, and we're going to probably have one to two transfers to be able to move our teams to look a little bit better. And it will be a luck thing of oh, oh yeah. great, you know they've got a double and I'm tripled up or whatever. But then you'll lose. Then they'll blank the following week anyway. So it's. It's a bit of a robbing Peter to pay It's kind of like Paul, what happened it? with where people had to bench boost or wild card or free hit. Yeah, I think it was game week 18, roughly, when Leeds lost their double because Shrewsbury got COVID. Uh, Man City Everton was called off, like like literally after the deadline. Um, and people's chip strategy seemed to be changed, you know, depending on where they fell uh, with the team. But we'll move on to Alex Ball's question on our Slack channel. So Alex has asked, is it time to move on from Bruno? Four blanks in four. Um, obviously he got an assist and then he scored a penalty against Man City. Um, now Mark, four blanks you, you, in six. Four blanks in six, yeah. <laughs> four blanks. Well, what did I say? Four blanks in four. Oh, uh, yeah. As a as a non-Bruno owner, I probably wish we were thinking. But um, what, what do you think, Mark? You've you've got Bruno, is that is that right? Yeah. So I brought Bruno back in on the wild card game week thirty. It was one of the reasons I went a week early because I wanted to have Bruno and Luke Shaw for, I think it was Brighton they were playing that week. Um, fast forward two game weeks, I don't feel as hot about Bruno as I did when I brought him in on the wild card. To me, at the moment, Salah looks better, and fixtures are probably going to see me keep Bruno. He's got Burnley next, which I think is good, and then leads away. But then he's got Liverpool game week 34, so possibly I might look to move Bruno on in game week 34, and it might even be for Salah even though they play each other. I just think it could get to a point in the season where I just need to get Salah back. If he keeps looking good and if he keeps getting himself on the score sheet, I'm going to be forced to go back there, um, having lost him on the wild card. So Bruno, I think, is fine to keep for the next two fixtures and then probably reassess things. I think that's what I'm going to do with him. Yeah, so I have neither at the moment, but I do have a Bamiyang, so it's quite close to me, you know, thinking if I want to go Bruno, do I want to go Salah? And I guess the one bad thing about Salah is, I mean, he's scored, he's scored in the last two games, but he's he's not getting bonus points. Whereas if Bruno had scored, we know he'd probably get probably get three bonus points. I mean, would that would that come into your thinking, or did that come into your thinking when you when you went for Bruno? Probably not. The bonus points probably didn't come into it. I think when I got Bruno in, he was he was probably hurting me for a couple of weeks before that, so that probably played a big part. Obviously. His ownership was pretty big and he's just been an FPL points machine since he joined United. He always seems to find a way to get those points, even even when United don't play or even when he doesn't play well sometimes. I mean, the guy sometimes scores penalties when, when a game's over. I can't remember who they were playing in that game. But, yeah, that Brighton game. I think. Yeah, so if we take a step back and look at Bruno over the whole season and last season as well, we probably should be a bit more patient with him. But I do think... You know, I agree with what I've heard on other podcasts this week. I think he does look tired. He's played a lot of football. So, yeah, going to be watching Bruno very closely in the next two fixtures. Uh, and there's a good chance. I think there's a good chance I might lose him. Nice. And what's your thoughts on him, Josh? 
Yeah, I think the next two look really good. Burnley and Leeds. Um, captain option in 33, definitely. Away to Leeds. Um, but I do think there's better premiums to own at the moment. Um, I'm on three premiums. I think most wildcard templates are going for four. Um, you know, the wildcard template, I should say, is, is yeah. four. Um, so, yeah, I think um, next two are fine. But, yeah, I think after that, he's definitely, you know, you could definitely get rid, really. It's, it's the next two that I'm worried about. And obviously, I'm taking a massive risk not even having him. And it's, it's why I'm kind of annoyed. I'm not getting the points elsewhere. I'm not getting the points from Vardy while Bruno's blanking. So I think, Bruno... I think the good thing is this week is, though, that everyone's going to captain Kane. And um, for that reason, his yeah. effective ownership will be, you know, right back at, at his actual ownership. So it'll it's be, still, it'll still be like... Big. It's still big. It's what it's eight, about eighty percent in the top ten k. I think it is. Also, but... you're forgetting the rank I'm at. Player ownerships are very, very, very different. It's something I've noticed. So Bruno stays at like a hundred percent no matter what. Um, really? There's a lot of dead teams around me. Yeah. I, I, I just think um, you know when 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 he's not being captained, you know it, it is. Yeah. No, I better. get what you're saying. For, I can imagine also a, a people will be losing him this week. Um, there will be a fair few who get rid this week to accommodate the likes of Sun, um, maybe Salah, <laughs> Lingard. Yeah, I there can you go. see that being popular. But yeah. Um, so we got a question, another one on Slack. I can't believe how many questions we got. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> um, so Mad Hatter, is it worth now aiming for players their teams have something to play for and ignoring City, Sheffield, and Arsenal? Uh, oh, I see what he means because Sheffield United are relegated. Um, so, so Mark, are you, I guess that's the on the beach kind of thing. Um, so, is that is that coming into your thinking at all? Yeah, I think I think it always does at this stage of the season. Um, even just looking at that question, you know, I, I didn't go for any City. Obviously, didn't go for any Sheffield United, and also avoided Arsenal on the wild card in game week thirty. And and for that reason, really, you know, City are going to have the league wrapped up soon. Arsenal probably going to prioritise Europa League, even though. We've been missing out on Lacazette points recently, but yeah, I always tend to final, you know, say final quarter of the season. I do take a closer look at which teams still have something to play for. I think we've seen it with Southampton at the weekend, absolutely destroyed by West Brom. They've got nothing to play for. You know, Wolves haven't been amazing recently either. So yeah, it's I will be focusing on that more so on the teams around the Champions League places. Yeah, and, and Palace as well. I think that despite despite them scoring, I mean, it's quite evident they were they were on the beach. Um, oh, that that game could have been ten one easy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Maybe maybe we we're overlooking the Chelsea assets, but I guess, I guess it's the rotation with them. Yeah, I was, you know, I tripled up on the Chelsea defence. No one, obviously, very hard for me then to get a Mason Mount or a Havertz. But even though Havertz and Pulisic looked amazing at the weekend you still can't be sure they're going to start right. in game week 32 so that just put me off them so i'd rather just go for the defenders fixtures the likes of aren't that amazing either you yeah know, you know a lot they're of all right but they're not yeah um and we've got a question from j ros um so j ros is asking would you rather bring son in for a hit this week and then trent for a hit the following game week or ignore son and bring trent in next week for, for no hit so I think it's a bit similar to the to this question we had earlier about, you know, if we'd get Son or, or Jesse Lingard. Um, I mean, how would you feel, Mark, about not having Son this game week? I wouldn't like it, even though he hasn't been amazing. Um, it's still double game week, potential 180 minutes for an amazing player with pretty decent fixtures as well, particularly the Southampton one. So, 
yes, Son could score four points, but he could also score twenty-four quite easily. So I think I think a hit for Son would be fine there. Yeah, and you just wouldn't enjoy your Kane. If you're captaining Kane, you probably wouldn't enjoy the captaincy as much if you don't have Son, because you'll be worried about who who gets the assist so, you know, if he if he does hold. Um, I mean, Josh, what what do you think about Son? Yeah, I think he's um, well, he's the second most uh, obvious player to own this week, really, isn't he? So, and, and I agree. Yeah, if, if, you know, if Kane's coming in at something ridiculous like 180 percent effective ownership, you know that if um, if he scores and and uh, even if you've captained him, if he scores and Son gets the assist, or or, or, or the other way around, then um, it's going to be a red arrow every time. Are that, either that of you? Are either of you looking at a third Tottenham asset? I had um, I brought Regulon in on my game week thirty wildcard, and he only lasted a week. The poor guy yeah. shipped him out for for Trent. Basically, the Newcastle game where, where Spurs conceded to I was like you know what why did I even buy regular in the first place that was a good example of just being blinded by a double game week it mm. could still work out I mean Regulon could have a big double game week and he could end up outscoring Trent over those two game weeks combined but I'm obviously much happier to own Trent now for the rest of the season Regulon would have been a player I probably would have sold right after the double game week anyway so in selling him it allows me to you know make a more exciting transfer for you know this week and next week so I'm not looking at any Spurs players with my free transfer this week. I'm going to prioritise. I don't have Lingard, I don't have Iheanacho, and I don't have Salah. And I'm, I would buy any of those guys over, you know, your Lucas Moura's, your Regulons, your, your Hugo Lloris's. I just don't have much faith in the Spurs defence. I wouldn't be surprised if they kept zero clean sheets in the double game week. So I've got very little interest. I think the fact that they've got the blank after makes it complicated. You know, you, you're you're going to be down to probably less than eleven players if you if you've got triple spurs and a couple of Man City guys. So that does make it make it harder. I've never known a double game week with so many hits where people aren't actually looking at get, getting the double game week players in unless they've obviously not got Son or Kane. Um, I mean, Josie just called the Josie Mourinho factor. Yeah, I think it, I think it is. Although I did see they, I think it's five games they've not scored in this season. Premier League games, which is actually kind of crazy. Like when you when you watch them, you feel like they're not going to score, but they just they just seem to seem to find a way. Um, Harry Kane. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that good? <laughs> it's what is it, thirty attacking returns for Kane. Yeah, um, ridiculous. Are you looking at a third one, Josh? I'm not. No. There's one thing also to be wary of if you are looking at a third one is that you know there's only a few days later that they've got the Carabao Cup final after the Southampton game. And yes, you'd think that Son and Kane start, but I wouldn't be surprised if the likes of Regulon, if Ben Davies is fit, maybe he plays against Southampton. They save Regulon for the for the cup final. Um, and, you know, the same with maybe Lucas Moura or, uh, you know, maybe they play like a Lamella or someone. Yeah. Um, you know, just, just, just something to think about, really. Um, you know, that, that cup final... Even though it's the Carabao Cup, is is literally huge for Spurs and for Mourinho. Yeah, yeah, uh, and we've got one more question. Uh, so on Slack from Helmo, is it time for Perez yet? And is and is annual end of season shenanigans or too soon? Um, so I think the main question from this really is the second part of the question. Um, what's the first drink you order when you go back to the pub for the first time? Uh, so Mark. Yeah, we've actually had good news in Scotland today that they're moving a lot of things forward. So hoping to be in the pub sooner than than planned. So 
I mean, as an Irish man, it'll be it'll be a pint of Guinness. Or it actually won't be a pint of Guinness. I'll probably go to the bar and just say, can I can I get seven pints of Guinness, please? <laughs> and just down every one of them and, and be home in bed an hour later. So, yeah, I'm sure I'll get overexcited on that first trip to the beer garden. Do they taste the same in Scotland as they do back home? Or? They don't. They're, they're nowhere near as good. But I think I'd still rather have a Guinness than, than no Guinness. So, yeah, it's haven't been back to Ireland bloody hell for almost a year now i'd be as well living in australia so looking forward to getting back to ireland in the summertime and, and having a proper pint nice nice and, and what about you josh i'd actually say the same funny enough and that's not just because mark's on it's because for me guinness is the one drink that you can't have at home uh that tastes as good as having in a pub you know when you have it out of the can out of a can or whatever it's just it's just not as good um you know whereas uh from a from a draft in a pub is just uh, it's the one drink so yeah that'll be me first drink will be a guinness without doubt you must have nicer pubs around your way because i feel like the pub the the, the cans around here taste nicer than in the pubs <laughs> um, <laughs> that's not a good sign no it's that's not it's, it's really not they've got the little widget in though maybe maybe that's what does it i don't know <laughs> um but thank you for the questions and i'm you know sorry we couldn't get through them all um but we, we got some feedback from emma who said so I wasn't even on this pod, actually, uh, but excellent pod this week with some insightful wildcard discussions. Brilliant insight from you and your guest, Abdul. And good to hear the Iceman. Missed Rich, of course. Thanks all. So thank you, Emma. And thanks thanks for your questions today as well. Now, Mikel Tokvan, we haven't got his algorithm today, but if you go to patreon.com forward slash transfer algorithm, um, you can go through all of that stuff. And of course, we're partnered with Fantasy Football Hub and have been given the exclusive sign up offer code of surgery15. So all you need to do is go to fantasyfootballhub.co.uk and you can get 15% off there when you sign up. Just use that code, capital letters, surgery15. And of course, we're partnered with FPL Doodles at FPL Doodles one on Twitter. And he does the artwork for the pod release tweet every week. Um, now, we've not had this for a while, but we've got a league update, Josh. Is that right? Yes, we have indeed. I mean, we did the uh, monthly winners last week. Um, Iceman did that. But yeah, we haven't done the leagues for a while. So um, look at the FPL Surgery Podcast League to start off with. So fifth place, we've got Sean Dunlop. Fourth is Albano Carvajal. Um, Third is Ian Clark. Second is Owen Paris. And first is Vegard Knutson. Um, And then for the uh, the FPL Surgery Patreon League, um, fifth is Matthew Greco. Fourth is Mikhail Van Harlem. Third is Alex Ball, who's absolutely shot up. He's not been in the top five all season when we've read it out. He's on the pod soon, isn't he? He is, yeah. A couple of weeks' time, I think. Uh, second is René Stoicht. That's probably completely butchered his surname. Sorry about that. Um, and first is Robert Uninger. Nice. So we'll move on to Traptons. So that's our transfers and captains. Um, so if we start with you, Mark, uh, what moves? You mentioned you were looking at a minus four. Yeah, possible minus four. So there's a lot for me to chew on this week. Mm. If it was a minus four, it would probably be Calvert-Lewin to Ian Acho and then one of Rafinha or Smith Rowe to Lingard. Um, if I just decide to make one of those moves, probably will be the striker move to get Ian Acho, which would mean another weekend of pain without Jesse Lingard against Newcastle. So I might just take the minus four for my own sanity just to have him. Even if it's a two-pointer, I'll be I'll be happy either way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, what I'm thinking about is 
I, I feel like I'm going to need to get Salah back soon. So I need to be very careful with my transfers in terms of, of leaving cash in the bank for that. So, you know, one option is, is to lose Bruno in a couple of weeks' time for Salah. But another option is to get, you know, lose Son after the double game week for Salah in, in game week 33. So if I want to do that, I can't get both Ianacho and Lingard. Probably would be just the Ianacho move. So I'm pretty set on getting Ianacho. The plan was to get him for Bamford, but... DCL has annoyed me now, and if, if it looks like if there's any chance that he misses the game on Friday, I'll just sell him and get Ianacho. And I don't mind keeping Bamford anyway because he's got good fixtures to finish the season. And if I keep Bamford, I don't mind losing Rafinha because I, I don't mind having one of them. I don't think it matters too much which one. So yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um, so I'm not really decided yet on on transfer. We'll see what happens in Europe first. And captain, I'm guessing that's Kane. Yeah, just yeah. easiest, probably easiest captaincy decision of the season. Not even going to think twice about it. Um, yeah, I'll probably go Son vice captain then just in case anything goes wrong. Yeah, yeah, same. I mean, actually, our moves they sound incredibly similar. So I'm looking at doing Calvert. Well, I say I'm looking at doing. I've already done a minus four. I've done Calvert Lewin to Inanacho, and I've done Saka, who's injured, to Lingard. Um, it's the first time I've done early moves for a while, but I just I feel like I can't enjoy Vardy without having Inanacho. Um, whether that's good reason or not, I don't know. But I feel like Ian Acho as well, his fixtures are so good that it's got to repay me over the over the next few weeks. And I just can't handle not having Lingard anymore. And I think like you said earlier, Mark, you know, if if he stops scoring, you know, so be it. I'm just, I'm just going to get him in because I can't see any alternatives and he's better than Saka. So I'm on a minus four. And I'm also looking at, I can do a Bamiyang to anyone up to 13 million. So... If I wanted to, I could bring in Salah for Aubameyang, but I'm tempted to wait because um, I've got I've got a bit of leeway there with that with that transfer. Um, but at least I've got a way to get Salah in. So I think we're thinking the same there, where I can get Salah in if wanted. I could even get Trent in, go with Trent Phillips and Jota, and obviously my captain's going to be Harry Kane. What about you, Josh? Uh, simple transfer this week, which is one that I had scheduled after the wild card. So Sterling to Sun and Captain Kane. Nice. That was very concise. <laughs> um, so we'll move on to our differential picks. So we've all picked one. Um, Mark, who's your differential pick for the week? Yeah, I'm going to shout Cavani this week from Manchester United. I was very impressed with him uh, against Spurs. Got himself on the score sheet twice. One was very harshly ruled out. He also should have been on the score sheet a third time. The one for Fred's goal, he had a very good chance, which was saved. So Cavani passed the eye test at the weekend. Uh, Good fixture against Burnley. So I like him as an option. Nice, nice. And what about yourself, Josh? I've put Lucas Moura, uh, even though I'm a little bit bit questionable over the rotation before the Carabao Cup final. I thought I've got to put a double game week player in. He seems to be... um, Mourinho's golden boy at the moment um my one we've mentioned him earlier Jared Bowen he's 2.1 percent owned I just think if you're confident about Lingard maybe maybe double up on that attack you know if you can maybe if you've got someone like Saka you could move him to Lingard and just go for the double attack um and hope that all the transfers that have been you know, made for Lingard this week doesn't end his hot streak um so Mark thank you very much for coming on the podcast today and I'm sure all our listeners know who you are, but where can everyone find you on social media? 
Yeah, best place to find me is is on Twitter at FPL General, and you can check out the 59th Minute podcast every Tuesday. Yeah, brilliant. I, I saw it, it literally. I got the notification on my phone before we started recording, so I'm going to listen to that after I've edited this and uploaded this. 59th minute. I'm going to listen to that. Nice one. Thanks a million for having me on, guys. Really, really enjoyed that discussion. Probably one of my favourite ever guest podcasts, to be honest. Oh, cheers, Mark. Enjoyed it. Yeah, that's it's actually made me feel quite a lot better about my bad rank. And I think like you were saying, where you fe- you know you feel like it's the best thing that happened to you. I feel like I was getting a bit maybe overconfident, um, like because I'd not had a horrific rank. So maybe maybe it's a good thing in the long run. We, we will see. But please help support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. Please join the FPL Surgery Podcast League. I know it's the end of the season, but the code for that. If you want to join us, 439HW9. You can find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, Reddit and Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at FPL Surgery. I've still got that thing. Well done. Anyone who got Josh yeah, and Lookman. Yeah, sorry, that was me. Um, subscribe <laughs> on iTunes and remember to please rate the podcast. Uh, five stars. And you can email us, FPLSurgeryPodcast at gmail.com. And Josh, you've just got one more thing to say. Up the pod. Up the pod. Up the pod. Up the pod.